What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash Tales from Tech Support. <laughs> See, I didn't forget this time. Well, things are a little bit screwy with scheduling and stuff this week, which is uh, normal. But we're getting stuff done. We're getting some episodes up. Uh, gone camping this weekend. Big shocker. We're going to be down in Williamsburg, Virginia this weekend, uh, doing some historical stuff with the kiddos. And uh, yeah, we're supposed to have some rain, but hopefully we'll have some inside stuff to do for Friday uh, during the rain. And hopefully Saturday won't be so bad and we can go do some battlefield stuff and all that. And yeah, it'll be a good time. I may record an audio episode. Uh, again, no cameras because yeah, crappy laptops. Speaking of microgreens, which I wasn't, but I've been showing you guys and telling you about them for the last couple episodes. And uh, nice little flat of broccoli microgreens. We'll take them with us and harvest them this weekend. Tons of sprouts. Yeah. Kind of getting into it, man. It's uh, it's all right. It's pretty decent stuff. And whatever we don't use, uh, the chickens get a little snack once in a while. We're picking up chickens. Well, my daughter got our chickens for us this past week. She's been chicken sitting while we got our our stuff set up here. Uh, I'll be picking them up Monday morning and bringing them back to the little compound here and uh, setting them up in their new little home and uh, trying to get them fat and happy and laying eggs. All right, let's get on with the tech support. The last time I got a call from a family member for help. So my wife and I were out shopping at Salvation Army, actually, when our second oldest daughter messaged her, not sure why her and not me, about her PC issue. My wife let me know and I called her. She was in a panic. I'm like, what's going on? She says that her laptop booted super slow, like half an hour, and that everything was running stupid slow. I told her to put down the panic and unplug the laptop. She went ballistic. What do you mean? What does that have to do with anything? Honey, for me, just please unplug the GD laptop. A little bit more grumbling and she agreed to pull the darn plug. So what happened, I asked. It's it's working normal again. Yes, I know it is. Go buy yourself a new power supply. You know, I don't generally mind explaining things to people when they ask, uh, but when they're in a panic, there's no point. Just listen, you called for help. I know some stuff, not everything, you know. I can't solve all the world's problems, but I'm pretty sure I got this one handled. Just trust me for two minutes and do what I ask. Help me to help you. My wife and I go through that all the time. I say, I lean over her shoulder because she's having trouble with something. She asks me for help. I say, okay, hold on. Stop doing anything for a minute. Click, 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 click. She's scrolling down the page. She's scrolling back up the page. What part of stop didn't you understand the first three times? I love her, but yeah. Tech and my wife. Mm. Special delivery. More tales from the trenches. This one dates from my time in Malaysia in the late 90s. We were setting up a center of excellence, and as part of this, we were to be receiving the first in-country example of new server family from the parent company. Now, during this time period, KLIA Cargo, Mafsaya, oh, I just looked that up. It looks like it means uh, pardon, KLIA Cargo spelled with a K, had some serious form on breaking stuff. Our manufacturing arm loved us as each time a customer in Malaysia bought something, there was a very good chance that it would be a two-for-one deal. One sold to the insurer as a write-off and one sold to the actual customer. There's not a lot you can do with a late 90s 50-gigabyte RAID unit after someone has dropped it 20 feet onto the airport tarmac, after all, but scrap it. 
Anyhow, so our eagerly awaited server, really two rack mount servers with a dedicated RAID and power mounted back to back in a single cabinet, there were reasons, honest, had arrived at KLIA and we were informed that there may have been issues with the handling. Anyhow, we contacted a company that was supposedly a specialist in handling fragile IT type stuff, told them the details of our goods inwards, no high level offload available so you need a truck with a tail lift. No pallet truck available. You need to bring one. A few hours later, we get the call that they will be there in 10 minutes, and we head down to the loading bay of our office building. The specialist movers duly arrive in a standard three-ton truck with a side door and not even a ramp, let alone a tail lift, with only the driver and his mate on board. They pull up the side door of the truck to reveal the delivery, which sits on a standard pallet and is about six foot six inches, two meters high, with a 3 foot 3 inch, 1 meter by 5 foot, 1.5 meter footprint, and a weight of getting on for 600 pounds, 300 kilograms. And look at us expectantly. A somewhat animated discussion ensued, followed by a heated mobile phone conversation between my boss and the supposed shipping company, as a result of which we were told to wait for some specialist equipment to be sent to facilitate offloading and delivery. Wait, specialist equipment to unload the specialist equipment? <laughs> About an hour later, the specialist equipment arrived, which turned out to be a half dozen hefty blokes loaded into the back of a pickup truck. <laughs> By this time, we had made a cursory inspection of the shipment, and it didn't look good. All of the telltales attached to it had triggered, indicating that the thing had been bounced around and tipped beyond the shipping and handling specifications. And worse than that, the packaging itself showed impact damage. So knowing that whatever happened from this point onwards was pretty much academic, we settled back to watch the show as these lads tried to figure out how they were going to get this very heavy, very bulky, and very fragile object down off the back of the truck and into the building. So they looked around the loading bay to see what was available and found the following. One 12-foot scaffolding pole and one 10-foot length of 6-inch by 4-inch wood. These they proceeded to prop against the truck door as a makeshift ramp. At this point, my two colleagues and I realized what they were about to attempt and wish that we had a camera on hand. They manhandled the server across the truck bed and by dint of rocking it backwards, managed to get it onto the top of their makeshift ramp. They then proceeded to edge it out of the truck door and down the ramp. The 6x4 piece of wood proceeded to bend and creak alarmingly under the load. But by some miracle, they managed to get the thing down to the ground level without anybody being killed or even seriously injured. So what next? As mentioned, they had omitted to bring the much-needed pallet truck, and there was no way they were carrying this thing to the goods lift. One of the guys went off and borrowed a couple of trolleys from somewhere. These were the sort of things that the mailroom might use to move small packages weighing a few tens of pounds around. Not the best part of a half-ton computer, but in for a penny? Again, by brute force and a lot of tipping, they somehow managed to get the thing up and precariously balanced up on these two hopelessly inadequate conveyances and proceeded to haul the thing in the direction of the goods lift. This didn't go as smoothly as they had hoped, as some of the trolley's wheel bearings gave up their struggle against the laws of physics about halfway there, with the result that black streaks of melted plastic from the wheels were left across the faux marble of the floor as a remembrance of their passage. Once we got up to our floor, the process was repeated in reverse, with more black plastic witness marks left to puzzle the cleaners. Then we had to decide what to do with the obviously damaged equipment, because it was a first installation of a new range of equipment in the country, we had a couple of commissioning engineers who had been flown in especially to install the thing, and they had nothing better to do. So they got on the phone to the factory to find out how best to proceed. Once they had removed the shipping packaging and assessed the damage, 
casing broken, internal 19-inch racks distorted, various mounting bolts sheared, all in all an absolute wreck. They very carefully powered it up, testing for electrical safety at each stage. It bloody well worked. Still had to be scrapped though. The replacement was delivered without incident, which was a pity because this time I remembered to bring my camera. I can't say anything man, I have done the brute force thing before. You know, as far as shipping goes, you expect it to be on a truck, strapped down, you know, secured. Getting it moved is another thing. I mean, we've had rooftop AC units come in, uh, all kinds of big equipment. And sometimes you're left sitting there trying to figure out and engineer a way to get this big heavy thing off of a truck when none of the bosses gave you a way to actually do that task. But they said it has to happen, so okay. So you invent ways to do things and uh, hope for the best. You know, it's funny, we didn't always have forklifts and uh, the great alls, you know, the telescoping boom arm with the forks on the end to move packages and things like that. I mean, when we were framing houses when I was a teenager and young adult, without any of this equipment, you know, houses for years had a steel beam put down the center of the basement to carry the load of the middle of your house. Then eventually it became laminated beams that were bolted together. Uh, sometimes there was a, it was called a fish plate. A quarter or three-eighths inch steel plate that went down the middle between two two-by-twelves, bolted through and through. Sometimes that was used, but uh, yeah. If it needed to get into that basement, there was only five or six of us on the job. We grabbed that thing and carried it in there. Of course, that's why my back's trashed today, but yeah, what are you going to do? It's a living. Setting up an authenticator isn't hard, right? Right? So I'm sitting as tech support trying to help one of my colleagues remotely. The issue today is unable to connect with remote connection. Solution? Add Authenticator to account. Background. All users have access to a remote desktop system, which they can log in from anywhere they are, but it requires an authentication phone app for it to work. Me, as an administrative IT guy, I can use remote control software that can easily be given out with a link that remotely helps people, which then lets me connect to their computers. Also on this particular day, voice communications were not possible. So I got an email message that complained about not being able to connect to our remote desktop server. So the first thing I did was send them a link to let me connect to their computer, something that's pretty standard. As expected, it was exactly the problem I thought it was. The reason why they have to do it while I watch is due to two possibilities. Either authenticator isn't set up correctly, or there's a missing register key. This time it was the authenticator. I then tell them to go to a certain website and log in just to reactivate the authenticator. They managed to log into that website with SMS as the MFA choice the first time within like two minutes with no help from me, but then we started with the authenticator setup. Due to how the app is made, you're unable to take screenshots as long as it's open on the phone screen. So I've been unable to make a picture by picture tutorial on how to set it up. I then take over the computer for a minute to start the setup process. Then I message him to follow the instructions shown on the screen and he freaking closes the setup dialog box and refreshes the page and breaks it. He then proceeds to open up multiple remote connections to try and connect to the server. I had to send a message with the highest priority possible to make him stop that spam, then proceed to explain to him we haven't fixed anything, and the remote connection can only be established when the authenticator is working due to security reasons. Freaking 10 minutes it took. Had to do it while I was watching him try multiple times too. Pretty sure he was going to get locked out pretty soon if he didn't stop. I managed to take over the computer and go back to the website to re-register the authenticator and message him to log in again. Username, password, authenticator, timeout. And now he just sits there for like two minutes doing nothing. I then decided to message him to start the login process over again. 
Then use SMS as the verification method next time. So he starts over again. Username, password, authenticator, timeout. I then messaged him again to reach out the login again and told them to not click on anything with authenticator as a choice, but with SMS as a choice instead. So for the third time, we go through the steps again. Username, password, authenticator code, WTF, that is wrong. I then message him to click on the left carrot button at the top of the white box. He refreshes the page instead. I then wonder how he never got any problems before now. So we go through the process again. Password, username, authenticator. I even told him to not choose authenticator or authenticator codes, but SMS. The worst part is I have full keyboard and mouse access to his computer ever since he ran the software, but he never stopped moving the mouse. So I was never able to take over the computer to click on the correct choices. I even tried drawing on the screen to highlight the SMS selection. The software does have the choice block user inputs, but requires it to be installed which we're not supposed to do on any assigned work computers. Also requires admin rights to install too, which he doesn't have. So after like five tries, he finally clicks on the SMS selection and does nothing. I sent him a message and he never read it. I even wrote on the screen to check his SMSs on the phone and nothing. After like six minutes of trying to contact him, he finally enters the code, but it's timed out. Are you stupid or something? Then I got the idea to enlist the one person that's near him right now to help with this issue. And it worked wonders. Finally got back into the website to re-register the authenticator. Finally got into the part where they're able to scan the QR code, but the phone app. They told me that it requires a username and password to unlock, and they didn't know what the password was at all. At this point, we have used like two hours just to get back into the site the second time. And most of the time was used by him staring at the screen and not reading my messages. So I tried to get a confirmation to reset the password. Left on sent. Then 10 minutes later, I got the message that they needed to go to a meeting. <laughs> some people, some people just, you can't, you just can't work with them. I would have told him he'd have to wait until uh, we have voice communications back. As far as teaching him, like, you know, giving him a blow by blow of instructions, could you have taken your phone and taken pictures of the screen? I know that, you know, if you don't catch it just right, you get lines from the refreshing of the monitor. But, you know, like with my Galaxy, if I, if I get it to start focusing a little bit and once it gets sharp, I click the, you know, shutter button real fast. It seems to like bypass that and straighten itself out. Uh, just a thought. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, if this guy wasn't, you know, answering messages or even you scrolling on the screen, then yeah, what are you going to do? Fancy a brew or more tales from the trenches. As I have previously mentioned, I used to be part of the worldwide support team for a mainframe DBMS product. Well, before that, I was a member of the team that supported the Office System version of that same DBMS. Broadly the same feature set, but on a completely different operating system. Now, the Office System in question was really a baby mainframe. It was an Office System because, unlike the real big iron, it could be run in an office environment. It scaled from being capable of supporting maybe 10 to 12 workstations up to maybe 100, and could manage the processing requirements of, for example, a small factory, or in this case, a brewery. Now, at one point, we had what is known in the trade as a complete self-adjusting for all circumstances. <laughs> Cock-up of staggering proportions when a maintenance patch release escaped that contained within it one of those patches that fixed 1DB resiliency problem and accidentally introduced the sort of bug that would quietly corrupt the database without anyone being the wiser until they attempted to access the afflicted structures. I must have spent the better part of 1984 bouncing around the UK patching databases back to a state where they could at least be accessed. 
Anyhow, one such affected customer was a brewery in the north of England, and they had been hit big time. Thousands of corruptions that had to be manually patched and muggins here that had to do it. So I duly rocked up on site at 9am on a Monday morning. Having traveled up the previous afternoon, oh, paid overtime, where have you been half my working life? And by about 11am I had patched all of the low-hanging fruit and it was time to run the integrity checker again. I hit the enter key on the console and the IT manager looked over and said, as that'll run for a bit, do you fancy a brew? Now then, a brew in most parts of the UK refers to tea. So I said, yes. Follow me, says that worthy, and leads me off through the offices, up a couple of floors to a somewhat spartan room with hardback chairs arrayed around the wall and a large open cupboard containing a racked up and tapped beer barrel and many, many pint glasses. We get unlimited beer, but no spirits as we're classed as clerical. The guys on the shop floor get three pints a day and the executives get access to a full wet bar, says he as he poured me a pint of their best. The security lodge had hand pumps where the workers got their beer in the morning, lunch, and afternoon breaks dispensed by the security guards. You don't want people to be too pissed when they're driving forklift trucks after all. The week went past in a blur. I remember the IT manager calling his wife about 4pm most days to get picked up from the train because he'd be too drunk to drive by 7pm. To be honest, I don't know how often his car left the car park. At one point, we had reached the stage where there were certain data records that simply couldn't be patched back into the correct structures. So we had to figure out whether it was worth the effort of even noting their contents before we simply deleted them. Hence, crate of empty Guinness bottles entered my personal lexicon as the upper bound of worthless. That particular crate may still be sitting in a pub cellar to this day. <laughs> That's funny. So, first of all, for me, a brew... In the U.S., East Coast U.S., I guess, I don't know if it's dating myself or whatever, but when I grew up, you know, a brew was a beer. You know, we had movies like Strange Brew and things like that. So, uh, yeah. But wouldn't it be nice if we were allowed to have a couple pints a day at our job? I think things would go so much smoother or at least be more relaxed. Now, like you said, if people, you know, get half-wasted, then no production happens and there's more chaos than usual. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.